podcast land. You're such a doubt once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 129. So I don't bury the lead as I used to do. Our guest going 10 rounds of Rhino a little bit later on in the show, UFC middleweight, the Darce Knight himself, Kyle Daukis, is going to go 10 rounds of Rhino. It's a really fun one. So without further ado, our intro and ass schedule is as follows. Thank goodness. The full fights have returned to this fucking this guy's broadcast possibilities because last week felt like a barren wasteland, even though there was boxing. Man, I'm sure glad the UFC has returned. So we're going to have the results from the main events from both the LFA 133 and the George Cambosos versus Devin Haney lightweight boxing match. Of course, our full UFC 56 breakdown. Our drop of the night from last night, where there was plenty to choose from. Our main card picks for UFC 275, some awesome Q&A with members of the Rhino Gang, gang gang, the, the aforementioned UFC middleweight contender, Kyle Dalkis, his latest fighter to go 10 rounds of Rhino. So, APB, without further ado, again, let's go ahead and get our swim trucks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. So the LFA 133 was from Denver, Colorado on Friday night. The main event was for the vacant 145-pound uh, belt. Our guy, Michael Stack, Rhino Gang Gang Gang, fought um, Jose Delano. Very tough fight. Jose Delano got the UD after five on that one. So five hard-fought rounds for Michael Stack. Came up a little bit short. So congratulations to Jose Delano for being the 100 and new 145-pound champion over there at the LFA. Easy for me to say. All right, let's go down under to go to Melbourne, Australia for the huge undisputed lightweight, which for my MMA fans is 135 pounds in boxing uh, between George Cambosos and Devin Haney. Devin Haney dominated this fight. I didn't watch it last night. I watched it this morning. Uh, Devin Haney was faster. His jab was crisp. He had a great, you know, he always had a, like a good ability to move his head, but it looked even more sharp last night. So the defense was on point. The offense was on point. George Cambosos, he's a very tough dude, and he tried to get in the mix and mix it up, but Devin Haney was just too slick, too strong, too fast. Defense was too sharp. So very clear-cut UD for Devin Haney in that one. And, uh, yeah, we got a lot of fun business ahead at 135 in the, in the pro boxing world. So I'm really looking forward to that. All right, APB, we're going to go ahead and transition to the UFC card from last night. This was UFC Vegas 56, or maybe I should say the afternoon card, right? Because it, it, for those of us on the East eastern time zone, it was on at 1 o'clock, which I love, by the way. So our first fight was at 125 between Aaron Blanchfield and J.J. Aldridge. Uh, early leg and body kicks for Aaron. J.J. got a couple of nice takedowns. She's trying to really land a really crisp right hand. Um, once they got clinched up, Aaron Blanchfield seemed to be the stronger. JJ slipped uh, on, a, on, a, on a, I don't know, I think it wasn't really like a knockdown. It was really she got hit and kind of lost her balance and slipped. Aaron jumped right on her, slapped on the guillotine, got the submission in the second round. So sub two for Aaron Blanchfield over JJ Aldridge. Moving into 170, we had Renat uh, Fakratinov. Versus Andreas Michalidis. And big takedown for Renat uh, right away. Lots of fence grabbing for Andreas was not called for some reason. Um, there were some cool scrambles. Andreas did a good job once he was down there trying to get out and not getting finished. But Renat really dominated the entire fight with his takedowns and top control. So he got the UD in that one. Moving at 125 pounds, we had Jeff Molina versus Z Zalegas Zumagulov. I think I did that one okay. We'll just call him ZZ. You know, it's what we've done in the past. So this was a very close fight. I thought Zuma Gulov's cage control and his grinding pressure won him the first and the third rounds. And I thought Jeff Molina's striking and 
uh, ability to move forward and land damage. Won him the second, so I actually had given it to ZZ. But Jeff Molina got the split decision in that one in a very close fight at 125. Moving into 135, we had Tony Gravely versus Johnny Munoz Jr. Holy smokes, this one was nice and early. A beautiful uppercut on the end of a combination. Tony Gravely hit Johnny square on the chin, knock him down and out. Beautiful finish for him, for Tony Gravely. TKO in the first round over Johnny Munoz Jr. Moving into Niklas Stoltze versus Benoit Saint-Denis. Ah, Juice will appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> Benoit got the early takedown. Uh, Nicholas, like on the entrance, Nicholas like tried to throw up a knee and it kind of clipped Benoit Saint-Denis and gave him a nice little cut over the eye. Didn't bother him at all. Kept on taking him down. Finally, uh, took his back, slapped on the RNC, choked him out in the second round for Benoit Saint-Denis over Nicholas Stolte. They're really testing me on my pronunciations this week, APB. I'm putting that out there right now. They're really testing me. Yeah. I think I'm doing, yeah. I think I'm doing okay. You're doing better than I was. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, so moving into our first Rhino Gang fighter of the night, Daniel Argetta, a late replacement and up a weight class at 145 versus Damon Leach Jackson. This one was, the first two rounds were pretty much the exact same thing on replay. Uh, Damon Jackson takes Daniel down, gets on his back. Daniel throwing some decent shots over his shoulder, landing a little damage on Damon, but Damon controlling the first two rounds. The third round was much more on the feet. Daniel Argetta landed a couple of really hard shots, kind of seemed to hurt and wobble Damon. Damon very, you know, smartly and a crafty veteran that he is, was able to secure another takedown, get on top. Uh, the third round was kind of questionable, but the first two were not. It was all Damon Jackson, so he got to the he gets the UD in that one. I do think Daniel Argetta will be back in his normal weight class of 135. But you know, when you haven't fought in the UFC yet, and they call, even if it's a step up of a weight class, you do it. You know what I mean? And that was the right move for him in his career. So we will see what happens with them moving forward. Moving into 155, we have another Rhino gang member, our guy Joe Selecki versus Alex De Silva. Silva really quickly knocked Joe down, dude, but he very quickly got himself back together. They were they were pretty much, uh, he was pretty much on bottom for the entire first round after that. Alex and Silva did a good job of staying on top, but really didn't land anything. Really wasn't searching for any submissions that came close. It was kind of a meh first round after that knockdown. In the second, it was all Joe Selecki, top control, ground and pound, a couple of submission attempts. <clears throat> and then in the third, it was really close. Um... Joe tried to guillotine. He had another takedown. He did take Alex's back. So Joe Selecki got the majority decision, which means that one judge had it as a draw, and then the other two judges had it for Joe Selecki. So I'm sure that had to do with the point deduction that came in the in the second round. But at any rate, Joe Selecki gets the win. I thought he deserved the win, 155 pounds. Big ups to him. All right. Let's go ahead and get into our eighth fight, which was Felice Herrig versus Carolina Kovalkiewicz. Both of them on really gnarly losing streaks. Carolina Kovalkiewicz, I gave her almost no chance in we this both fight did. based on. That was, the one, that was the one we agreed on that we both thought there was no way she was going to win. She just looked so out of it the last two she times did. she's fought. She, she like she didn't want to be there. This was a totally revamped, totally, totally rejuvenated. This ATT has just caused like an injection of fury into her veins, right? Now keep in mind too, they have fought once before and that was like three years ago and that was Carolina's last win. So I think she probably felt extra confident fighting Felice. Felice looked slower than I thought she was going to. You know, she had a long layoff as well. I thought she was going to be far more crisp and looking for more takedowns than she did. But Carolina lit her up on the feet. 
Uh, when police did shoot for the takedown, Carolina just shucked her off right away, threw her down, got on top, reversed it, put on the RNC, and tapped Felice out in the second round. So moving on, well, so A, so let's just real quickly, I want to say I was 100% wrong on thinking about Carolina was done. She looked great last night, and I look forward to seeing what happens with her uh, in the future. And we do have a great question about her a little bit later in the Rhino game, yeah. Q&A. Yeah. So, she was great. Yeah, exactly, dude. I'm with you on that one. So moving into 205, we had Alonzo Menafield versus Askar Mozarov. An overhand right to take down. Um, started out the fight for Alonzo. He got on top. He kind of grappled a little bit, scrambled around, got in the beautiful crucifix position, which you don't see all the time. Got started throwing little punches. That wasn't really doing much. Then when he switched to elbows, that was really doing something. So Alonzo Menafield, I asked her, could knock it out. Alonzo Menafield kept throwing those elbows, lumping them up on the uh, forehead. Referee stops the fight. TK in the first round for Alonzo Menafield. Big win for him at 205. Moving into our 10th fight, we had O'Day Osborne versus uh, Zaruka Adashev. All right, all right, we'll go with that one, Rhino. Zaruka Adashev. And then, you know, so these guys are out there and they're scrapping, you know, the 125ers. They're like pinballs out there. They're so fast and they're bouncing all around. And then a beautiful, uh, uh, as Adashev was like coming in, a beautiful quick overhand right drops him really clean. Uh, Osborne jumps on top of him, lands a few more hammer fists. Referee pulls him off KO in the first round, which again, you don't see a lot of punching stoppages at 125, but uh, oh, man, that O'Day did a great job of finishing him. And then I, I like the thing at the end when he got everybody to start going, O'Day, 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 O'Day. I like that. I thought that was fun and cool. So big win for O'Day Osborne at 125. Moving into Pollyanna Botello versus Kyrene Silva. I did not have this one right either. I thought Pollyanna was going to be more polished than Kyrene. I thought she was going to be able to keep the distance, using her reach and her height. And she was doing a pretty good job at first with the body kicks uh, and, the, and the teeps. She had a nice big right hand. But then then Silva had a nice right hand that went right into like a full Brian Erlacher fucking middle linebacker sack because she went powered through uh, Botello and put her down a little bit of ground and pound slapped on the Dars choke. Kareem Silva got the sub in the first round and man, that takedown was amazing. Big ups to her. Uh, shout out to our girl, Steffi Hayes, who is, I believe she said she's the new founding member of the Kareem Silva Stan club. So, I'm on board with that one, too. That was really, really cool. So that's a big win for her at 125. Moving into 145, we have Lucas Almeida versus Mike Trezano. Now, this, this was a really fun and good fight. Almeida stuffs both of the Trezano early takedowns, starts landing some really hard leg kicks that are starting to pay dividend right as the, as the fight goes on. Then Trezano wobbles Lucas bad with a nice punch and then a following knee. Then there was a left uh, a left, left counter shot. Both guys dropped each other. It was a really fun back and forth fight. Then finally in the third, dude, fucking, first of all, they clashed heads really gnarly, which, which sucked. But then a left hook hurts Trezano again. He goes down. Almeida jumps on, gets, gets the uh, ground and pound going. No choice for the referee to but stop the fight. Lucas Almeida gets the TKO in the third round over Mike Trezano in a very fun fight. Moving into 145, we had Mosvar, Movsar, Ivalev versus Dan 50K Ige. <clears throat> APB, you know, we talked about this last week, and yeah. we're both huge. We're both huge 50K Ige fans, but there's something about this kid, this Evolev kid, where he can just absorb shots 
and just keep coming forward and have no symptoms. Well, he's from the, huge. From, he's huge. He is huge for 45. Um, nothing that Dan hit him with seemed to really even slow him down. Yeah. He just moved forward and he took him down and he held him down and he ground and pounded and he was just constantly in forward motion and Dan was hitting him with some shit. Yeah. And it just did just didn't matter. Uh Ivolev is something special. <laughs> Sad. Ivolev is just something different and something special at 45. And man, looking forward to seeing what's next for him. And you know, 50 Kiege. I saw some people saying, oh, he needs to hang on. The dude's like 30. And he always puts on exciting fights. And no, I don't I don't think no. Ige should go anywhere else, but stay in the UFC. He, he's got a long career out of him. I really think he does. So let's move into our main event, which is Alexander Volkov versus Jarosino Rosenstrike. <laughs> so I always talk about how much I love heavyweights, and I do. And they're my favorite division. They always will be. And I love seeing a big six foot seven monster versus a six two, you know, real thick striker who the both guys can put each other's lights out. And you know, they're, so they're, they're the, the the bell starts, and they're kind of circling each other. And they're Volkov is landing some shots, landing some nice hard leg kicks, which has kind of been the way he's been starting all of his fights as of late. Really hard leg kicks. Rosa strikes trying to figure out how you know this long distance, and then they just opened up, and they were just bucking out there. And Rosa strike hit Alexander with a couple of nice shots, and Alexander hit him with a couple of nice shots, and then there was the straight right, which really put uh, Rosa strike on his ass back against the cage, and then. You know, he was following up with a couple more strikes, and he hit him with a couple, but then he missed with a couple, and Gerizino did not seem to be out of it, but Herb Dean came over and stopped the fight. And so, again, there's the two trains of thought, APB, which is, well, if you let him stay down there, he could take two or three more shots and really, really get hurt. Or was he not that hurt at all? He just got knocked off balance and knocked down, and you got to give him a chance to work. I always lean towards give him a chance to work. You know what I mean? Because as soon as Herb stepped in, he got right up and was was up. So I don't know. I, it's a really tough call. We have a we have a question about judging a little bit later on, but or, I'm sorry about refereeing a little bit later on. But again, it's one of those split decisions, you know, split second decisions you got to make. And I, you know, I'm not. I don't hate the stoppage. I, if it was me, I would have given a little bit more time to work. So all that being said, Alexander Volkov, another big win at heavyweight TKO in the first over Jersey, you know, Rosenstrike. All right, APB. We're going to go into our drop of the night, which obviously goes to my man, O'Day Osborne, with that beautiful overhand right. He definitely, there was lots to choose from. There was also some good ones in boxing, but I'm going O'Day Osborne for the drop of the night uh, for last night, for sure. Well, Let's go ahead and transition. Wait, wait. Oh, Dre, Andrea has a drop of the night. What do you got? I have a drop of the night, and I thought about that one, but I picked Tony Gravely against Johnny Munoz with his short right uppercut because this, I think like people didn't get to see the way they should have because Chris Tignoni's big head was in the way because it was really fast. And because John Anik thought it was a knee and Paul Felder thought it was a hit, but whenever they looked back at it, it was that short right uppercut that hit him like right on the chin. And then he just dropped. Absolutely. And that was definitely in contention, but I thought the more dynamic looking one for me was Ode Osborne. Plus, it was. I was it like for get- sure was. But then after he um Tony Gravely in his in his post fight interview, it, it was funny whenever he said, I told my wife I came here to kill this man. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> that was pretty funny. And you know, it's uh it's one of those deals where it, I think the angle that we were able to see it kind of took away from some of its luster 
You know yeah, what I mean? Because we couldn't see it from the like a lower angle where you can see how hard it actually hit him. But it was a gnarly uppercut and very much deserving uh, of contention for drop of the night. But Rano's drop of the night tonight was for Ode Osborne. So next week, we got the huge UFC pay-per-view. UFC 275 from over in Singapore, of all places. So I'll go ahead and get us started. And then our first one I have is Jack Della Madalena beating Ramzan Imev. By unanimous decision in that one. What about you, APB? I don't even... Do I even know these two people? I don't do know, you know if you them? know them or not. <laughs> yeah, them? I know, Jack. Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to do a decision, so... You're going to do Usain? I'm going to say that... What is it? Emev or... How do you say yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, Emev. Yeah, okay. I'm going to pick him by um, KO. Or Emeve, maybe. Maybe it's Emeve. Yeah. You know, who it is. <clears throat> All right. Then we're going to move into 125. I got Manel Cop beating Rogerio Bontorin by TKO in the third round due to ground and pound. What about you? Yeah, that sounds like a good pick. I'll go with you on that one. All righty. Then we got the rematch of one of the greatest fights of all time Zhang Wei Li versus Joanna Young Jacek. I've got Wei Li Zhang winning by UD in this one in a very close. We'll talk about this fight a little bit more later, but it's not going to be, I don't think, exactly like the last one, but I think it's still going to be a close fight. But I got I got Whaley uh, beating Joanna by UD in that one. I think that Whaley is going to win also in that one, but I'm going to put her winning by um, KO. Whoa, KO. All right. Moving into 125, we've got the first belt of the two belts on the line. we got Valentina Bulichevchenko fighting Talia Santos, who's on like a 20-fight win streak or something. But it's not going to matter because it's Bullet Shevchenko standing across the cage from you. I got Bullet Shevchenko winning by TKO in the fourth round. That's TKO4, Bullet Shevchenko, and retaining. And still, what about you? Yeah, obviously Valentina's going to win that one. If, if not, that would be just like crazy. But I think she's going to win um, Rear Naked Choke in the third I love the specific call out. I love it. All right. Then this one this is the one that hurts because I love Glover Teixeira. We're the same age. I love everything about the guy. I just think that Yuri Prohaska is on a whole new level. I think his striking and his size and his speed and his mindset are just <laughs> incredible. So I got Yuri Prohaska winning by KO, clean KO in the second round. I got Yuri Prohaska KO2 over Glover Teixeira to win the 205-pound belt. What about you, APB? Well, you're probably right, um, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to go with old man power. And I think that Glover Teixeira is going to take him down in the second and rear naked choke. I would love it. I really would. All right. So we have our careened our way into our Twitter questions. And our first one, APB, comes from our man, the Rage Sweet Potato from up in Canada Way. RSP, what do you got this week, dude? Okay, RSP says, John Jones is allegedly going to be making his heavyweight debut sometime later this year. I, for one, don't think he deserves an immediate title shot against Big Franny, nor an interim title fight with Stipe. He arguably lost his last two fights against Santos and Reyes and has been inactive for over two years now. I personally don't see him as being any kind of threat at heavyweight as he lacks the great equalizer, true punching power. What do you think of matching him up against Volkov, who has a similar reach for his first fight in the big boy division? And how do you think that fight plays out? 
So, dude, I'd love to see John versus a top 10 fighter at heavyweight for his first time out at 265. But we all know that the powers that be seem to be caving to John's demands and are most likely going to give him the Stipe interim belt. Uh, the Stipe interim bout, I should say. Should John get matched up with somebody like Drago or let's just call it Drago uh, in, the, in the event of something strange happens and we can make that actually get booked on the dotted line? First of all, I would love to see that fight. That's first of all. Second of all, even a bulked up John Jones, I think, knows better than to try to grapple with or grind against the cage with somebody the size of Alexander Volkov, dude. I think the strength would just be too much for him, and he's used to 205ers. So, no, I think John would implement the stick and move technique. Uh, I still think he'd be a faster striker and be faster on his feet than Volkov because Volkov's kind of a plodding, lumbering big man, right? So I would think John Jones would try to stick and move, leg kick, and get out of the way of any big shots. So I do think John Jones would actually beat Volkov by UD uh, in that one, in particular if it was a five-round fight because I think he would stretch it out. And, you know, that's just how I see that one going. I do think it will end up being Stipe for the interim belt. I agree with you that I think two years of inactivity – is ridiculous to come right in and get a shot at the title, but it's the UFC, man. It's a carnival, and it's, you know, a lot of things don't make sense, right, sometimes. So, yeah, to answer your question, if he was going to fight Volkov, I think he does beat him, and I think he beats him by UD implementing the stick-and-move um, technique, and then if he does, if and when he does come back, I think it is going to be against Stipe for the interim belt, and I think that Francis smashes either one of them, and I would love to see it. So, that's my answer on that one, RSP. Thank you very much, my dude. All right, let's get into our homie, Jess. Jess, what do you got this week, my dear? Love me some Jess. Okay, Jess me says, <laughs> she says, with the new move to ATT, Carolina looked sharp and focused. Do you think she has what it takes to get back to title contention, slow and steady, staying with ATT? First of all, I love this question. I love when Jess participates because we love her so very much, Jess. Um, I, of course, like APB and I talked about earlier, I was super impressed with the new and improved KK from last night. She looked a lot like the Carolina Kovalkiewicz that we saw in KSW when she was on the come up aggressive, sharp, confident, right? <clears throat> she would need to rattle off about three to four wins in a row before I could even kind of put her in that realm of being able to ever be a contender for the, for the belt again. You got to remember before last night, she had lost five in a row. And if you go all the way back to her last 10, she's three and seven. So again, I, I want to give her the benefit of the doubt. And I want her to be, you know, I want her to be on a, like a good win streak for a while. I would love to see that because we all love her. She's such a sweet person. And, you know, she's a very emotional young, young lady. And, and I really, really feel for her and I like her and I want her to be successful. Right. So I would love to see her rattle off three to four wins before I can even really kind of think about if she could ever get back into title contention. Um, I do like this transition to ATT. She seemed to be a whole new fighter, and I really want to see that continue. So I am totally on board with her staying there and improving, but I got to see about three or four roll, you know, rattled off in a row before I can put her in that, you know, that part of the conversation. So, Jess, that was a great question, my dear. Thank you so very much. All right, let's get into our motorcycle riding madman, the Dean Dog. Dean Dog, what do you got this week, dude? Dean says... What was your favorite fight of the night? So there were several that I really liked, but the one I'm going to go with for your, to answer your question is got to be Almeida versus Trezano, right? I have like a criteria that I put down, you know, like really, which can separate maybe two or three fights that I all like pretty similar. And here's the criteria as follows. There's a lot of them, but this is the ones that like last night it pertains to, right? So they both drop each other, which always makes for a fun fight. The pace was really, really high. 
the striking was constant. There weren't long lulls in striking. The it was mostly on the feet, which you know I, I don't mind a good grappling match, but I prefer a striking. You know, I prefer a striking match. And then there was a definitive finish. That's the biggest one. Definitive finishes are what make MMA for me as opposed to decisions, because we all know how funky some of these judges' decisions are and continue to be. So a definitive finish in the cage, that's what I'm all about. So yeah, I'm going with Almeida versus Trezano. Great fight, really enjoyed it. So thank you very much, Dean. Great question. All right, APB, let's get our homie the Doc. Doc, what do you got this week, my dude? Doc says, okay, dude, what's Rhino's supersonic upset special for this Saturday's UFC 275? You know you got it. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have an upset special. It's not supersonic, but I do have the upset special. This one's going to be in the welterweight division, and that's Jack Della Maddalena beating Ramzan Amiv. And this is more of an upset special because there are only 12 spots difference as far as the ranking. Amiv is uh, 12 spots ahead of Jack Della Maddalena, but I still think Jack is going to win this fight because he's on a very hot win streak. He has shown that he can fight everywhere and fight well. Ramzan is coming off that split decision loss to Danny Roberts, who I don't think is a real top-tier fighter at any stretch. So I'm going to I'm leaning towards Jack Della uh, Madalena, dude. I think that's going to be my upset special. Not quite supersonic, but upset special nonetheless. It's a great question, Doc. Really looking forward to that one, my dude. So thank you very much. All right, let's get into our last written question, which comes from my homie Brian from the Holman Sale. Brian, what do you got this week, dude? Okay, Brian says, could we be lucky enough to have Wei Lee and JJ2 be just as good as their first fight? Dude, I would love to say yes, because that fight was an all-time banger, and I would love to see that again. Oftentimes, when we see people who are coming off of a really tough back and forth, gnarly slobber knocker type of a fight like those two warriors had, you're gonna you're not gonna want to do the exact same thing. You're not gonna want to have a fight where you take that level of damage, where you eat that many shots, and where that takes like time off of your career. I think we're gonna see a lot more tactical, a little bit slower pace. I still think there's gonna be some moments where they just exchange, say fuck it, you know. But I also think there's gonna be a little bit more figuring out space, you know, measuring distance. I think it's going to be a little bit slower this time around and not many, you know, not as many examples of just fuck it, let's throw, right? So I still think it's going to be a great fight and I'm very much looking forward to it. So that is my answer on that one. Holster, thank you very much, my dude. All right, APB, we're going to do our first voice question, which comes from the homie Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod. Juice, what do you got this week, dude? What's up, Rhino and everyone in the Rhino gang? Rhino, going out of left field for you. If you were to design a combat sports-themed amusement park, what are some rides you would have, some attractions, some shows? What, what would that look like? What would it be called? Where would it be located? All that good stuff. Get at me. <laughs> Holy smokes, I love this. Um, so the first thing is the amusement park is called Rhino's Rides, an MMA-themed amusement park. Very generic, I know. But we'd have the Iceman's Glacier roller coaster. Obviously, Chuck the Iceman Liddell themed. There'll be ice on it. There'll be Chuck's face. It'll be really, really fun. Be, we'll, we'll incorporate the Mohawk somehow. Like, maybe the Mohawk is the actual roller coaster. All right. The UFC virtual experience where, like, you're in a giant room and you put your VR headset on and you're literally fighting other UFC fighters, but... The sidebar is you got to sign a waiver because we're going to have people actually hitting you 
or a sensor of some sort when the fucking VR person is hitting you. So like if Francis lands an overhand right, we'll have somebody in there landing an overhand right. <laughs> I thought that'd be a lot of fun. <clears throat> and then we'd have Uriah Faber's butt chin of doom where you literally ride like demon drop style, like from um, Teeter point and you drop into the giant cavernous butt chin of Uriah Faber, which I think would be a lot of fun. There'll be paintball games where you could shoot at cutouts with your least favorite fighters. So of course I would be shooting paintballs in a fucking Colby Covington, stupid face. <laughs> Maybe a couple in the Conor McGregor. I don't know. <clears throat> and then I mean, there was a ton of rides, but this is the last one I'm going to share. So there would be a giant shoe ride that you go through and the water looks like beer. It's not beer, but it looks like beer. And that's the shoey Vasa. So you go through and you get soaked with all this golden beer. And then obviously you'd have a big picture of, of, of tied to Ivasa somewhere. So it'd be the shoey Vasa and oh man, what a ride that would be. Of course it would be in Vegas. Right. Um, and then quite the opposite of the UFC's, standards i would actually pay my employees really really well and i would keep the ticket cost very very low so the park goers would actually be like oh my gosh they want me to come back over and over again they like me being here so that would be my business model would be paying the employees and keeping them really happy a lot you know a lot of money a high wage and then maybe keep maybe keeping ticket prices low so i know it's crazy i know i totally understand like wacky old wacky rhino <laughs> but that was a great question thank you so much juicy fruit baby make sure you check out him and leo at the friendly sparring pod too much fun over there all right our next voice question comes from the big homie jim Asun. jim what do you got this week dude what's going on you bunch of fucking casuals rhino and the rhino gang hope y'all doing well uh, well, the fight card wasn't too bad yesterday. A few finishes there. Um, my question for you is, uh, you know, the judging again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But fucking Herb Dean, man. Uh, the guy's either never going to step in or fucking steps in way too early. Like, I don't understand what's happening with him, man. He used to be one of the best in the game, and he's been screwing up a lot. But, um... My question for you is, who are your top five refs right now? Not of all time, but right now in the USC. Um, that's my question for you this week, man. Keep up the great work. You know, we love this show. You know, it's always 420, kids. Peace. Yeah, OG, it was definitely a little bit early last night. So, <clears throat> yeah, you know, and you're right. Herb really is, it's almost like bipolar with some of his decisions. Like, sometimes he's way too early in there, and sometimes you're like, Herb, stop the fucking fight. You know what I mean? But my five current in order are as follows. Mikey Beltran, my number one. Mark Smith, number two. Keith, no nonsense, Peterson, number three. Jason Herzog, number four. And then number five is kind of the wild card. I'm going Chris Tognoni. I know he's weird. I know I call him ASMR ref because he always talks so softly. And he really congratulates people and he encourages them. But that's just what he does. And I think he's a pretty decent ref. So Mike Beltran, Mark Smith, Keith Peterson, Jason Herzog, Chris Togdoni. And we all have to agree, it's a very tough job. Being a referee in the UFC has got to be really, really hard. you got to make split-second decisions many times. And it can be catastrophic, you know, injury if you don't get in there at the right time or you could fuck up somebody's career if it's the wrong you know if you make the wrong choice so again i know there's a ton of pressure on those guys and i 
I kind of feel for them and have sympathy and empathy for them. But, you know, I, I get pissed off at some of the decisions that they make too. But overall, I think they do a pretty good job. So that is my answer on that one. Great question, OG. I really appreciate you, my guy. All right, APB, that's the end of our Q&A session. We're going to go ahead and get into our 10 rounds of Rhino with UFC middleweight Kyle Daukis after a quick word from our sponsor, K&R Designs. Hey, Rhino gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? Well, look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Oh, fight fam, we got ourselves another fantastic guest going 10 rounds Rhino this week. The Darce Knight himself is joining us. UFC middleweight Kyle Dawkins. Thank you so much for joining us today, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Oh, dude, we are super stoked to have you on, bro. We've been watching you a long time. Big fans of you over here at the show. So basically, Kyle, round one with Rhino is always the same, and it's probably my favorite question of them all. I love to hear the background story. We want to hear the background story about how you first got involved in this crazy, wacky world of MMA, dude. Yeah, so uh, I was always athletic as a kid. I always played a lot of sports, stuff like that. Um, so I have that competitive you know, drive in me. Um, throughout high school, uh, my brother started going to an MMA gym and he kind of told me about it. So I stopped over with it, kind of fell in love with it ever since. But before that, um, my brother and I really trained a lot in the basement, which is kind of funny to think about because, um, I believe it was my freshman year of high school. I did a grappling tournament. Um, I think it was a grapplers quest and we just decided to do it on the limb. My brother and I. You know, we just saw it. We decided to do it. My brother took, I think, first place. I took second place. Things kind of hit off from there. Uh, and then, yeah, we joined the gym up, and it kind of just fell off there, and we kind of just fell in love with it. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Uh, we do have a, we, we do have a question about your brother a little bit later on in the show, so stay tuned for that one, fam. So your next fight is just in three weeks. On uh, June 18th at UFC mm-hmm. Fight Night, Cater versus Emmett. I know camp is different every time for every fight. And I know people, you know, always will say, oh, camp was great. Best camp of my life. But, you know, it is different every time we go through a camp. How did this camp go for you this time around, dude? Uh, it was good. You know, it's uh, again, yeah, every answer is kind of the same with camp. It's always the great camp, and blah, blah, blah. But right. no, this camp, this camp was really good. Um, everything's kind of kind of, you know, hitting at the at the right points. 
Uh, my weight's good, you know, mentally I'm, I'm ready to go physically. I'm, I'm ready to go. And the next, you know, week, week and a half or so is, is just me worrying about my weight, get my weight down, but because everything's fine tuned and everything's good to go training wise, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to fight. And, uh, these last two weeks, just kind of prepping for the weight cut and, you know, just kind of drilling, you know, old drills that I've been doing for, for the whole, you know, eight to 10 weeks that I've had this camp. So yeah, you know, camp's going good. It's it's coming to an end, but you know, it's uh, I'm still off to keep my eyes on the prize. Absolutely, dude. <laughs> Speaking of which, your opponent that night is Georgian fighter Roman Delizzi. Yes. What do you see when you see him fight? Like, what what kind of things does he bring to the table that you got to be prepared for? Uh, he brings a very very good ground game, I would say. Um, you know, his he's I think I believe he's a ADCC. Uh, he took he placed at like ADCC um, trials or something like that. Um, so that's always something that you have to worry about, uh, as far as like watching his fights and stuff, he is, you know, very grappling heavy. He's very grappling oriented. He isn't afraid to strike. Uh, he can take a shot here and there and, uh, yeah, I'm just excited to get in there and, and, and get after it. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a very tough opponent. Um, I can't look past him. You know, I have to be focused in on, on June 18th and, and be ready for, you know, 15 minutes of war. Absolutely, dude. Now you talked about him being grappling heavy. Mm. You have not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six Darce <laughs> choke finishes in your pro yeah. career, including your last one in the octagon versus Jamie Pickett. Mm. Who taught you that technique? Like, and when did you learn that? Holy shit, I'm really good at doing this. Uh, I don't remember when I when I actually like picked it up. Um, I hit it a couple times. You know, obviously in in training, starting out, I I, I have long you know skinny arms, so it kind of helps that uh that with the leverage and and getting around people's uh like neck and shoulders as far as getting a position and stuff like that um but i don't really remember like the first time that i like started to fall in love with it and just kind of came it just kind of like happened like every every time i get to a certain position you know i always get it uh, i'm always fishing for it throughout the whole grappling um you know exchange or matches that that i have you know in the gym um i hit it i think once or twice as an amateur as well so that kind of you know th- those are my I think it was my like second, my third or fourth actually amateur fight is when I actually first got a victory off of it. So I kind of, you know, always knew that that was going to be in my back pocket when I turned pro, but I didn't realize it was going to be such a hit. You know what I mean? Absolutely, dude. Now you got to let us know who gave you the Darce Knight nickname because it's it's fucking phenomenal, bro. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's it's funny because a lot of a lot of the guys at the gym you know, they're, they're all like comic book nerds and anime nerds and stuff like that. Like sure. I'm big in the, I'm big in the, like, like Marvel <clears throat> and all that stuff and DC and all that. And, uh, somebody had just mentioned it to me cause I think they saw it through Tony Ferguson's page. And I was like, yeah, like, but he kind of uses it. So whatnot. And they're like, you have enough, like you might as well just try to go for it. And I was like, all right. So then after, you know, after my last fight, I kind of just like thought about it and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to go for it. So I, <laughs> I said something about it and it really, it really just hit. Honestly, it really hit and, and everybody's kind of taken to it. So it's, it's, it's cool to, to, to see kind of, you know, explode like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I can't be too focused in on getting dark jokes all the time, but you know, I just want people to be worried about them. Absolutely, dude. Well, you've already got more in your career than most guys have in their, you know, thirty fight career. So yeah. I don't think you have to worry about always having. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so my last guest, you talked about your brother a little bit earlier, but my guest last week, Cameron Van Camp, UFC lightweight, he talked about what it's like having a uh, a pro MMA fighter as a brother, like what hmm. you know, how he has that as an advantage, and how you know he can call him up in the middle of the night. But I mean, 
you know, it's one thing to have a pro MMA fighter who's your sibling, but it's another thing to have a super high level UFC heavyweight who headlines cards yeah. as your brother. What would you say are some of the advantages and maybe a disadvantage of having your brother being a high level UFC fighter as well? I think that the advantages that I have of him being there with me is just, you know, having in my corner, having him, you know, know, understand what I'm going through, you know, throughout camp um, and vice versa. Um, and he's always there to help me train. You know, he's 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 honestly my number one training partner. Like I'm I'm either training with him at the gym or I'm training with him in the basement or like later on today we'll go to the track and run. Um, and he's always there. So that's always something that's that's good and, and helpful. Um, disadvantages, I guess, is because he's bigger than I am. So as far as training and stuff like that, he does get the better of me sometimes. But I do get the better of him as well sometimes. So I think just the disadvantages of it, of him, you know, it would just be in the gym beating me up and, and using his heavy weight against me. Gotcha, dude. <laughs> so uh, we all know your brother was a longtime police officer. Yes. So if you had to flip the coin and think about what you would be doing if you weren't a fighter, like as far as profession-wise, what do you think it would be, dude? Uh, probably be a pizza shop owner. It's kind of something I've always, I've always wanted to do, um, ever since I was young. Uh, I'm big into cooking and stuff like that. So I've, I've always, I always like that. And I always enjoy cooking throughout my fight camps. So it helps me, um, you know, cut the weight and stuff like that. But I always like to make, you know, pastas and, and pizzas and stuff like that. So I think I would probably own a pasta, uh, pizza shop. Okay. Now you say pizza shop. Do you mean like a standalone brick and mortar, like yeah. pizza place that has also some pasta dishes? Or do you mean like a, like a fancy, fancy pants, you know, Italian restaurante. Nah, we would know, just do pizzas. Okay. Like I, I'm going to, I'm going to be one of them guys. Like after I retire, I'm going to own a pizza shop. We're going to, we're only going to be open from like 12 to six. I'm only going to have like a limited amount of dough. So you got to call in and get the pizza and uh, it's strictly pizza, nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. And, and that's about it. I love it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so away from the cage, we have to, we have to put the brakes on constantly thinking about fighting all the time. We have to be have other interests, things that take our mind off of that. So, I mean, besides family stuff, what are some things you like to do as far as to kind of decompress, to get away from it? Are you into gaming? Are you into the outdoors? Like, what are some things that the Darce Knight likes to do in that downtime to kind of relax and have it chill out? Uh, honestly, I just pl I play a, a majority of video games throughout my day. Like, if I'm not training, I'm at home playing video games. And then on the weekends, I enjoy golf. Um, I think it takes away from, you know, the whole like tr hard training and stuff like that. It just lets my body relax. I get to go play 18 holes at like 8 a.m. I'm done by 12 and it's it's just a good time to get out there, relax and just get outdoors and, and be with uh, a couple of friends and stuff like that. But between golfing and gaming, that's about it. Other than that, other than that I'm in the gym. Sure, dude. That absolutely makes total sense. Yeah. So you just talked about what kind of a foodie you are and kind of a cook and a chef and how, you know, that's that's something you're really interested in. So. Obviously, you talked about cutting weight earlier. We have to we have to take away some things that we love. We have to, you know, deprive ourselves of some of our favorite foods. But yeah. after the fight, dude, you get to really indulge. You get to really hammer down on some things that you truly love. What is the thing you have deprived yourself up for X amount of weeks that you're really going to get in, you know, get into and indulge on once the fight is over and you've already wanted it's time to be out celebrating with the family and the friends? Honestly, uh, a nice pizza and some ice cold beer is pretty much it. That's what we, usually what we do after the fight. After the fight, we usually get you know pizza, uh, beer, and some wings, and just kind of post up at the hotel and just hang out. And, and I hang out with my brother, my corner men, and and that's about it. Um, well, I'm not really somebody who likes to go outside and go to the club and and do all that stuff. Um, I'm I'm usually just with family or with friends. And when I have to fly out and go to Vegas and stuff like that, or for this one for Austin. You know, we're probably just going to get pizza, pizza and wings and beer. And that's, that's pretty much it. 
Okay, is there a specific beer you like to go to? I mean, I'm sure when you're home, I would imagine it's Yingling, but you know, I could be wrong. No, honestly, I'm not. A, I'm not a big Yingling guy for me in oh, PA. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I enjoy. I enjoy Guinness a lot. Uh, oh, IPA. Okay. I, I'm, I'm a big IPA guy. I like different IPAs, but I'm also a huge Guinness guy. So I'll I'll have a nice uh, nice Guinness after the fight and uh, celebrate with that. I could do like one Guinness, bro, but it's just so thick. It's yeah, I don't get how people. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't understand. I don't. I mean, I see where people are coming from, kind of, because like the uh, the froth is kind of thick. But other right. than that, the drink itself, like, doesn't seem thick to me. I mean, see, I guess I just have a different taste for it. Yeah, yeah. For, for me, it's like drinking like a like a melted milkshake. Oh, that's yeah. the consistency. That nah, is. not for me. I don't know what that is. <laughs> hey, dude, that's that's awesome. I I appreciate that about you. <laughs> all right, dude. So we have actually careened our way into the easiest round of them all, Kyle. It's the tenth round with Rhino. It's the, it's the most simple round there could be. Share your social medias with us, dude, so me and everybody else in the Rhino gang can follow you. We can keep tabs on you and your career moving forward. And, uh, yeah, just share your social medias with us, dude. Yeah, so uh, I really only have two. I'm only on Twitter and, and Instagram. You know, I'm not really on anything else. Uh, my Twitter is just Kyle. Uh, I think it's at Kyle Dawkus, And then my, my Instagram is Kyle underscore Dawkus. So, yeah. Give me a follow. Give me, shoot me a message, and and I'll get back to you. You know, uh, I'm I'm big on kind of communicating with fans and stuff like that. So any message that I see, I'm more likely to respond. Absolutely, dude. That's what every fan loves to hear. <laughs> we really appreciate that about you. And dude, I'm telling you, we are all gonna be riding with it. We are all stoked for June 18th. That's just fuck. What is that? Like 16, 17 days away from the yeah, time you and I are recording this. And yep. uh, yeah, dude, we really, really look forward to watching the dark side get in there and the octagon and mix it up. Uh, with Roman Delizzi. So, dude, Kyle, once again, thank you so much for taking the time to get it with 10 rounds with Rhino. And we're really good luck and best of luck and best of skill for you on the 18th, brother. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. What's up, guys? This is Kyle, the Darcy Knight Dawkus, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Dude, Kyle, that was a lot of fun, bro. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we can't wait to watch you fight in your next scrap of the UFC. It's going to be so fun. Really looking forward to it. And thank you again, dude. All right, let's get a shout out to our outro, to our forum contributors, to the Rage of Sweet Potato, to our girl Jess, to Dean Dog, the motorcycle riding madman, to my broski, the doc, to Juice from Friendly Sparring Pod, to my homie Brian from the Home and Sale, to Jim Asu and the OG, of course, to the ladies of the PRG, to my underdog MMA fan, to Jamal, the son of McTavish. Thomas Clan or whatever it is. But to me, he's always Cyrus King, and he's our broski, and he's my king. So, of course, Marquise from Week Sauce Radio. Ashley, the MMA nerd. Filthy Casual. Brat. Happy birthday, Brat. Chris from Unmatched MMA. Sandy Pants. My beloved Rhino Gang GC. To the feature play, Andrea. To D. Reigns, the best engineer in the biz. To the eye set of graphic design, Dave Fretz. Check him out on Twitter and Instagram, at Dave Fretz. He's the best in the biz. Of course, a special thanks to my girl, APB, for stepping in and being an amazing pinch hitter again this week. So uh, to everybody out there, thank you guys so much for week in, week out, being such wonderful supporters of the show. I hope you all have a wonderful week, both in and out of work. As we all know, love is greater than hate. And we will see you next week. Kate Sun!